Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 19 of the Graham Slam podcast, the XFL and Spring Football Leagues. On this episode today, I am going to focus on the biggest thing in America is football. We all know it. It's become America's pastime. I don't care what anyone says about baseball. Football is where it's at and where it has been for a very long time. Now, the biggest complaint that everybody makes about football is the fact that it's only on from August to February, and then we don't have football again until the fall. That has been tried on numerous occasions with spring football that would lead us from February into almost the July time frame where then we only have about a month without football until the NFL preseason starts. It has failed, it has never worked, but I will tell you this, there is a good chance that we may be on to something coming up in this year in April and then next year for the XFL. I'll talk about the two leagues that are starting up, what we're looking at with those, and then, of course, or I guess you could say the league that's starting up this year. And then, of course, the XFL returning uh, for the season next year. Um, I talked about that on the last episode. But let's go ahead and I'm going to start out this episode by going off a kind of timeline where the talking about the XFL, and uh, which originally stood for the Extreme Football League. I am not aware that it still stands for that, um, but essentially it's spring football. It started a week after the uh, Super Bowl, and essentially the, the first season actually did go the full season, but man, did it have its hiccups. Um, so we'll be discussing that, discussing the failed AAF um, that was from 2019 and then of course the XFL 2.0 which happened uh, just back in 2020 before the pandemic hit and then of course getting into the biggest of them all the XFL 2023 and then of course talking about the USFL uh, United States Football League that starts in April This episode will be dedicated to spring football leagues and hopefully they work out so we can get football year round. Obviously this will start cutting into the Rocky Mountain vibe season and baseball, but that is okay. That is the point of this. So we'll go over that. So let's go ahead and first start out with a clip from Vince McMahon, WWE owner that started a in famous $100 million joint venture with Dick Embersall from NBC Sports to create a made-for-TV spring football league to appeal to WWE's highest sought-out demographic of young males. In addition to NBC broadcasts, the XFL also had deals with UPN um, Network for a weekly primetime broadcast and the TNN Cable Network for a Sunday matinee game. Let's go ahead and jump into that and let's hear this clip here from Vince McMahon himself back in 2001. 
On February 3rd, 2000, one year before kickoff, we held a press conference at the WWE restaurant in Times Square, and we announced that the XFL would kick off one year from today, February 3rd, 2001. Where's the kind of football that the NFL used to be? Where's my smash mouth wide open football? It's gone. Of course, we had no coaches, no players, no teams, no team names, no stadiums, and no TV deal. But we announced. Some suggest that the NFL stands for the No Fun League. The XFL is going to be the Extra Fun League. The proposition to put together an entire football league in a year is an insane proposition. We will take you places where the NFL is afraid to take you. Because quite frankly, we're not afraid of anything. Now, when I saw that, I was like, oh, what are we doing? But well, that was classic Vince. I just think he couldn't help himself. Is this your quest to go legit? I just love that one. May I never be ever thought of as legit. I remember sitting in my office, which was right outside of Dick's office, and I had a TV there. And I had a press conference on showing Vince talking about the XFL. This will not be a league for panty waist or sissies. I said, Dick, you've got to see this. Dick just buzz me. Get Vince on the line. This will be a blast. On the way home in the car, Vince got a call from Dick Ebersaw. Dick asked Vince, do you have a TV deal? And Vince said, no. Dick said, don't make a deal till we talk. I knew we would be covering the XFL. That clip there is courtesy of ESPN 30 for 30 um, with the XFL 2001 Check that out if you've not seen it before. I believe you can see it, uh, find it on Peacock um, or on YouTube. I'm sure someone has it on there. Uh, But the first edition of the XFL, um, I was at the time, I believe I was 12 or 13, and I was obsessed. One, they had a Las Vegas team. This Las Vegas team which was the outlaws um uh, my my aunt and uncle lived in las vegas um, my aunt was in the military uh stationed at nellis air force base and anything that had to do with vegas i was obsessed with i loved vegas i still to this day love vegas and when they announced that they had a team i was on board 100 percent with this team no matter what so let me let's go ahead and I'll go over the background of the XFL in 2001, why it failed, and just the craziness of the XFL football league. So the background of it is, um, like I was saying, it's a hundred million dollar joint venture between Vince McMahon of WWE and Dick Embersall of NBC Sports, trying to create spring football but to appeal to the WWE wrestling crowd. Kind of weird, but it is what it was. The XFL debuted on February 3rd, 2001, and the first week's TV ratings was a strong 10.3 on NBC. But that curiosity of seekers fled the league quickly, and the ratings plunged 71% over the next three weeks. The XFL championship named the Million Dollar Game because of cash incentives for the winners, earned a 2.5 on April 21st, 2001. XFL telecasts were among were also among UPN's lowest-rated primetime offering in the spring of 2001. Draft bust and he hate me. So the caliber of the football 
was second tier by design, largely was just horrific from the World League of American Football. The NFL's own felled spring football produced from the early 1990s. The XFL rosters were made up largely of NFL training camp casualties, CFL, the Canadian Football League refugees, and undrafted free agents. To the extent that the XFL had any name had any name players, they tended to be NFL first round draft busts, such as Tommy Maddox, um, Jim Drunk Drunk Drunken Miller or Drunk Drucka Miller, John Avery, and the nineteen ninety four Heisman Trophy winning uh, running back uh, Rashawn Solom. One exception, though, was Rod Smart. Rod Smart was an undrafted running back from Western Kentucky University who earned the starting job with the XFL's Las Vegas Outlaws. The Outlaws happened to be one of the featured teams in NBC's inaugural broadcast on February 3, 2001, taking advantage of the XFL's permissive atmosphere. Smart had the slogan, He Hate Me, stitched on the nameplate of his jersey instead of his last name. Smart also turned out to be pretty good. He finished second in the XFL in rushing and became one of a one of the few players to leverage the XFL into a meaningful NFL career where he played from 2001 to 2005. If you ask most people today what they remember of the 2001 XFL, most likely someone's going to yell out he hate me. And that that came to be the case when I went to Dallas um, for the Renegades in 2020. Oddly enough, a lot of people were wearing XFL Las Vegas uh, Outlaw jerseys with He Hate Me on it. And people were talking about He Hate Me Rod Smart. So he was very famous in the XFL and uh, did pretty dang well um, from what I remember. But he was my favorite player. Of course he was. Um, so the the demise of the XFL with started with the league's attendance, which was close to the XFL's original proje- projections at 23,410 announced per game. But it was TV ratings where the league really took a beating, and it was, after all, a made-for-TV league. NBC pulled out of its two-year commitment after just one season. Uh, Vince McMahon's other TV partners wanted to extract concessions to keep the league on the air for a second season. The XFL officially folded on May 10th, 2001. Um, but on, again, that was the end of it. That was, I mean, literally was the end of the XFL. It went the full distance. They had a complete season. And these were the eight teams that they had. There was the Birmingham Thunderbolts, the Chicago Enforcers, the Las Vegas Outlaws, the Los Angeles Extreme, Memphis Maniacs, New York slash New Jersey Hitmen, Orlando Rage, and the San Francisco Demons. Um, Of that season, the Los Angeles Extreme ended up winning the XFL Championship in 2001, Uh, with their star quarterback, Tommy Maddox, who did end up actually making it to the uh, NFL and played starting quarterback after Cordell Stewart left the NFL. Um, He became the starting quarterback for the 
Pittsburgh Steelers um, essentially right before uh, Big Ben, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, was drafted by the Steelers, and he's been their quarterback ever since. So there was a little bit of uh, players from the XFL that did make it into the uh, NFL. It was very slim, but it, it, it happened. And that's essentially... Again, the XFL failed massively because Vince McMahon had this thought basis of a spring football league that was actually mixed in with the WWE. And there was some hard-hitting, bone-crunching action, essentially, that was going on in the XFL and the games. But there was no whatsoever, there was no like safety protocols for players. Um, they had this uh, bizarre, instead of flipping a coin to see who got the ball at the beginning of the game, they had this like running uh, to like sprinting to then grab the ball and whoever touched the ball first. And these players would risk basically their career going after a ball to get it first. They would start at a certain line and both would run and both would dive for this ball. There was a few players that got instantly hurt and were out for the season because of a like sprinting for a ball. It's absolutely ridiculous of what they did. Uh, but essentially, when you overall looked at the XFL, it failed. I I loved this as a kid, and when 2018 rolled around. Um, on January 25th, 2018, Vince McMahon's Alpha Entertainment that he created announced that the XFL would return after a 19-year hibernation in the um, spring of 2020. The XFL then launched in 2020 uh, to decent reviews, but the play was suspended after five weeks due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the league filed for bankruptcy and suspended operations shortly therefore after. I spoke a little bit about that last week or in the last episode per se um, that also aired today. But that is where everything kind of comes into play here is this magical thing called spring football. The XFL at first was a disaster. It had nowhere to be around football. It was more of a football league for WWE fans or pro wrestling fans. That was pretty much all it was. It was nothing serious. They could have done something very serious with it, like Vince McMahon ended up doing in 2020, which could have been successful. Um, there's been many leagues in between that time frame that have tried to come in and create a, um, a spring football league that just has failed miserably. And I mean miserably. So, on today's episode, I wanted to open up again with the overall perspective of the XFL. This is where my heart and passion and everything is for the um, for the XFL, uh, and I want to continue covering the XFL as time goes on uh, with this podcast, especially as we get near 2023. This will be the primary podcast during the off-season of the Rocky Mountain Vibes and Pioneer League. This will become a primary um, XFL podcast along with transitioning into baseball and kind of to keep it around year-round so I'm not having breaks and stuff like that. Um, 
so that there's again there's a lot to talk about this these leagues and um we'll get we we'll get into the main topic today of um why spring football leagues in my opinion could work why they're needed um we've already seen some examples because of covid-19 with the pandemic that some of these XFL players that played in 2000 uh, 20 with the XFL are now playing in the NFL. Uh, Tyler or Taylor Heineke, that is a starting quarterback for the Washington football team. He was a backup in the XFL for the uh, St. Louis battle Hawks. And he was amazing in, well, he's been amazing in the NFL. He never did get a, I believe a snap in the XFL, but he learned a lot during that time um, basically backing up uh, Jordan Tamu, who, speaking of, as of this morning, the Carolina Panthers have signed Jordan Tamu as the XFL Houston Roughnecks quarterback, P.J. Walker, who is Carolina Panthers' uh, backup for Cam Newton, is now part of the uh, COVID protocol list so he may be out this weekend and Jordan Tamu could potentially get the starting um the start for the Carolina Panthers which would be massive because again it's showing that the XFL is there for a reason um we just saw this past Sunday with the uh Lamar Jackson and uh Huntley being out for the Baltimore Ravens they signed Josh Johnson to a contract who played for the LA Wildcats in 2020. There's so many possibilities that are here that can be essentially work as we go into the future and maybe even a partnership with the NFL. There has been some talks and some clues here and there that potentially that the XFL will be working with the NFL. That is not confirmed yet, but there's been some slight hints here and there from Danny Garcia's uh, Instagram posts of the meeting that they had. There was an NFL logo on one of their binders that they were discussing the plans for the XFL season. And The Rock, as I, or Dwayne Johnson, I'm going to always call him The Rock, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Uh, Dwayne Johnson actually mentioned on his CNBC interview that I spoke about on the last episode that there are some new alignments and partnerships coming as well in 2022 in the first couple months. I really think if they can get the NFL on board to partner with them, we, there's going to be football all the time. It's going to be amazing, and we have so much potential. But that is not where it stops. We have something else starting in April of this year kicking off, and it's the USFL, the United States Football League, which is a great segue into the main topic today of the spring football leagues and do they work, how do they work, and will the USFL work as well. So we'll go ahead and get into that now with the official announcement of the Alliance of American Football, the AAF, that was launched in 2019, one year before the XFL 2020 edition happened. This league had promise, but we'll get into that. Here's the announcement. 
It's called the saddest Sunday in America. The first of six months with no football. For millions of fans, it means they'll stop watching sports altogether. For thousands of players who missed their shot, the dream of playing slipped farther away. Football is like America. Both are built on opportunity, hard work, and innovation. As a sport and a nation, we root for the believers, the long shots, the early risers, and the never quitters, the ones who invent the future. We never know where greatness will come from, but we know it always starts with the same question. What if, what if football didn't have to end in February? What if players who missed the big show by a fraction of a second or a tenth of an inch finally got a second chance to change football forever? What if we brought football into the 21st century? What if we didn't have to say, what if? In February of 2019, some of the most respected minds in the history of the game will come together to form the Alliance of American Football. With the announcement of the AAF, that changed the course of what potentially was coming. Obviously, it was 2019. We were a year away from the XFL 2.0 coming into effect, and the AAF had already had a leg up on the XFL, what the XFL didn't have in 2001. Um, for starters, the AAF had a television partnership with the NFL Network and CBS Sports. Former football coaches with uh, professional coaching experience and championship experience and a televised quarterback draft in Las Vegas on CBS Sports. Everything seemed to be materializing that the AF was going to become this development league that the NFL lacked. Well, we fast forward to week one kickoff, and the AF did seem like it was decent enough on ratings on the deb- debut week. There were some familiar faces from the NFL um, even playing in this league. You had Trent Richardson running back. You had Christian Hackenberger Josh Johnson, which later uh, then played in the XFL uh, and is now in uh, Baltimore Raven. You had Aaron Murray and Zach Mettenberger, who uh, played for the Tennessee Titans. They were all highlighted players upon week one. Um, Four of those five were highlighted during the previous mentions of AAF quarterback draft. Um, But again, the biggest name in the AFF was absolutely... Uh, for sure, Trent Richardson um, on the Birmingham Birmingham Iron. In a league what, which, in the view of a lot of the public, it was built on grit, and the idea essentially was a final opportunity to prove they were NFL worthy. There was an original built. There was an original built-in uh, legitimacy that the AF had. And the AAF co-founder, Bill Paulin, Paulin, 
uh, former owner of the Indianapolis Colts, advised that players had uh, non-guarantee three-year contracts worth $250,000, which included health insurance and education stipend to any player that completed a year in the league. To compete complete rosters, the AAF would scout players who don't make the NFL or the Canadian League rosters. This all sounded great. I mean, this league was off and running. They seemed like they had an amazing start out. And I really kind of actually liked a lot of it. One, being from a, uh, my wife being from a firefighter family, I adapted right away to the Arizona Hotshots, which coincide now. I'm a wildland firefighter, so kind of foreshadowing there. Um, but the the overall uh, prospect of everything was that this league had exactly what it needed. It had quality football. Um, I at my job there were people actually talking about the AAF, which was rare to hear. People were expressing how much they liked it, and then essentially what happened is in week two, there's rumors going around that the AF had an emergency $250 million investment, um, had to have a $250 million investment to make payroll to pay, pay out the players. And this is where it got very weird. Um, basically, the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes owner, Tom Dun- Dundon, came into the picture. Um, he basically invested his money into the AAF and if it wasn't for him, the AF would have folded within a week. Um, but it did not. They they were they got the money, um, but there was still controversy to have. And a lot of people were have said we can talk crap about Vince McMahon and the 2001 XFL, but those players were paid and the season completed. This started a very red flag on the internet. I remember sitting at work and I remember some coworkers coming up to me and was like, did you hear the news on the AF? There's, there's trouble in paradise. And man, did it get bad. So what, what essentially happened was the, the red flag that came over with the, the emergency investment having to be done. Um, the entire season basically was on the line at this point. They had played one week. They were going into week two. And they they ended up playing, uh, I believe, a total of eight games or eight weeks. And then Dundon, who was the executive, um, executive or the owner of the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, ended up at that point basically seizing football operations and cut his loss. He's like, I'm done. We're out. And he cut everything. Um, The AF teams that clinched their spots in the AF playoffs, that essentially obviously didn't happen. And then there was talk that they were just going to play a championship game. That did not happen. So we really don't know what exactly went wrong there, except for the fact that Basically, the um, Charlie Emmonsall completely lied so much to everybody of what exactly they had put together for this league. Um, and the downfall of it was just absolutely 
tremendous of how it really put a bad eye on essentially the the spring football because then what happened here is you had this guy that came along he had all this amazing information that this uh this league was going to work and i mean it it, it became basically the uh, subprime loan of a billionaire who owned the Carolina Hurricanes and then decided that he uh, did not want to do this at all. And at what point we ended up basically seeing down the road, the darker side of the closure of the AAF is far more in depth than what anyone expected. Um, after the immediate closure of the AAF, uh, Adrian Robinson of the Memphis Express team woke up with a $2,500 charge pending on his bank account from the um, hotel they were staying at. After calling the Express team president, Robinson is only able to dis- dispute the charges the following Monday. Um, Salt Lake Stallions linebacker uh, Gianni Paul broke his arm just last Last week in the or last week when this article was wrote, last week in the game versus the San Antonio Fleet, once the AAF folded, so did the health insurance. Paul was also evicted from his apartment that the Fleet housed him in. Um, the linebacker with a broken arm is was at the time currently without health insurance and scrambling uh, to find a place to live because the AAF disappeared overnight. Um, there's many stories like this where players were legit left on the side of the road, kicked off a bus. Um, and it just, it made no sense. And I mean, mid season, the AAF decided to sign uh quarterback, Johnny Menzel uh, to play for the Memphis express. And basically he got one check and that was about it. So, there's a lot that um, essentially went into the AAF and what exactly happened. Um, but it, it did, like I said, it put a black eye on spring football because it was like a laughing stock, essentially. Everyone thought, haha, the XFL is going to end the same way. Any spring football league is going to end the same way. And. What essentially did happen was, yes, XFL did end after five weeks, the XFL 2.0, but it was not due to money. It was not due to any of that. And despite the fact people want to say, oh, the league went bankrupt, the league did this, the league went bankrupt because uh, WWE CEO and owner Vince McMahon did not want to lose more money. We saw that play out over 2020 into 2021 with budget cuts through the World Wrestling Entertainment with WWE and Pro Wrestling, how many talent they've cut over the last year and a half. He is trying to save as much money as can be, and this was not going to work. He didn't want to wait on the pandemic to go away. Um, There was no other options to play football. And essentially, like I said, when the... AF went under. That's all we heard about was just, oh, XFL's next, XFL's next. See, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. 
What I think is the problem is these people just are not realizing how much money it takes to run these leagues. And clearly, um, Charlie uh, Eberstein, however you say his name, essentially at that point did not – he lied to a lot of people. Um, He had this vision, and in reality, he had more of a vision of a tech company because they were doing this live – football picking app where you bet live on the game, some random stuff like that to um, essentially change the game mobily. It didn't work. The football in the field was great, in my opinion. Uh, Again, they had former NFL talent that were still really decent players, and it just made everything look bad. Now, fast forward to today, we obviously have the USFL, which is United States Football League. This was a league back in the, um, essentially the early, early um, span of things from uh, 1983 to 1985. They lasted two years. They were like the, basically the uh, alternate to the NFL or whatnot. And I mean, they made it two years. They had 17 states including the district of columbia that they played in and they um finally have made the announcement with the owner of the spring league um which was a pay-to-play league uh to kind of get tape and stuff out there over the last two years that essentially is then morphed into the usfl now the usfl is backed by by fox who essentially once football on their network um, during the off season of the NFL. And just last month, the USFL announced everything. They'll be returning in 2022. Um, they will play from April um, until mid-April to mid-June, followed by playoffs. Fox Sports is the official broadcast partner of the USFL and will air games on a weekly basis. We also learned that NBC uh, signed on to air their games as well. They will be playing. They currently have eight teams. They are backed by different locations. So you have the Pittsburgh Maulers. um, You have the... uh, Michigan Panthers, and you have all these teams that have locations, but they are playing their first season in one location, which is Birmingham, Alabama. This could be based on COVID, um, just to kind of ease the fact of um, with COVID spiking again, they kind of may have took that into effect um, so that they're in one location, which is going to bring a lot of business and overall money to the city of Birmingham. Um, So the report is that after the 2022 season, they will go to their respective locations in 2023. This kind of makes you wonder because the XFL uh, currently runs from February to April. That is what we're understanding. We have not got any information of the 2023 season yet, but that's what it was in 2020. So, Hypothetically speaking, if this works, you could have the NFL start in or USFL start in April, goes to June. We have about a month and a half off 
until or about a month yeah a month and a half until the NFL preseason starts NFL uh, 2022 season ends in February then we have the XFL and then if USFL is successful we could have them uh, start up in April maybe they'll push back their start date a little bit in 2023 to accommodate the USFL or to accommodate the XFL and then at that point we have year-round football in three leagues which is going to open essentially the floodgates on getting talent out there and potentially having some backup situations for the NFL um, with COVID and that type of stuff. Um, hopefully it goes away eventually, but at least at this point, it does not look like it's going anywhere. Um, so this could be another, basically a farm system into the NFL. I, I don't think that's what the XFL is targeting for. We'll talk about that more essentially later on that as far as we know right now the projected usfl kickoff is april 15th 2022 and then of course the xfl kickoff is february 18th 2023 so we have just about 105 days to go until the usfl kickoff and then 414 days until the xfl officially kicks off so we this is going to be an awesome essential time frame and um, we have a lot to look forward to which again goes into my overall prediction for these spring leagues now i don't know about the usfl if they will succeed um, or be successful um, they could end up easily being an aaf uh, football and losing money and being done COVID could also shut it down as well with the new strand of uh, going through pretty rapid. I mean, we still have, again, 100 and some odd days until that USFL kickoff. So we'll see what remains to happen at that point. Um, but I, I really do think overall, when we we're talking about spring football, the XFL, USFL, or anything in that matter, I hope it succeeds. I never want to discredit a league, nor do I want them to not succeed. I hate people on the internet that trash these organizations. They don't want them to last. They'll go out of business. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. These are jobs we're talking about. I've talked about this in prior episodes with the Pioneer League, with the Rocky Mountain Vibes, and what these teams bring to these cities. Now, of course, we don't know at this point um, where the XFL is playing at in 2023. We don't know any of their teams or anything like that. We can at least know that currently for the 2022 season of the USFL that they have released all their team, their eight teams. So currently right now you have the Michigan Panthers, the New Jersey Generals, the Philadelphia Stars, the Pittsburgh Maulers, the Birmingham Stallions, the Houston Gamblers, the New Orleans Breakers, and Tampa Bay Bandits. Again, these these eight teams will play in Birmingham, Alabama for the 2022 season, and then hopefully at that point we'll go to their respective uh, cities in 2023. There could also be some expansion into other markets. If the USFL actually does work, um, they will uh, this season play a 10-game schedule, 
uh, followed by semifinals between the top two teams in each division to crown the division winners. And then the championship will be played between those two winners. So we're looking forward to uh, football a couple months after the uh, NFL ends their season. And then, fingers crossed, we may not be without football for quite some time um, after the USFL starts, which is just mind-blowing to think of. But um, going into more of the XFL news that was released, obviously that I reported on the last episode with the uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, they are essentially going to be putting their heart and soul and time and effort into this league. And I really think with the, uh, speaking about the XFL, I, I really think that with the star power of Dwayne Johnson, the brains of both of them, granted Danny Garcia seems to be laser focused in on the XFL. And then of course you have the investment forum investment firm that basically is backing the XFL. And just to give you some clear cut information about Redbird Capital and who they have ownership in is pretty massive. So they are valued uh, currently at $4.4 billion. They currently have ownership into so many different companies. Um, you have the XFL, you have, um, they essentially have ownership in the Yankees. I, I believe the, let's see here. So the Yankees, um, Fenway Park, they have ownership. They um, have ownership of a football club. Soccer, of course, and as far as I know, like the ownership within the Boston Red Sox is pretty massive. Um, they own Fenway Sports Management Group. Uh, they have fifty percent stake in NASCAR's uh, Fenway Racing, and they essentially have an exclusive marketing agency for LeBron James. Through a strategic partnership with LRMR Ventures, um, which is another firm that they um, have acquired. So there is so much that Redbird Capital partners own and invest in that there is, they have over 25 years of sports investing experience. Um, they have an operational mindset with executives who have built businesses across the sports value chain and in multiple sports in a global network across leagues, commissioners, athletes, teams, and owners. Um, their executives have created over $5.5 billion of enterprise value across the sports platforms over the last 20 years. These people, Redbird Capital, Dwayne Johnson, and Danny Garcia, and the executives and positions that they've hired for the XFL, they're not playing around. This is not Vince McMahon. Um, and no offense to Vince McMahon, he built what we are potentially going to see in 2023 from the ground up. And now it is having the proper backing where you don't have to worry about the WWE. 
And despite the fact Vince McMahon came out and sold all this stock in the WWE to form Alpha uh, Entertainment to essentially fund the XFL, you cannot tell me, no matter what, as much as he wanted to claim they were separate entities, they had nothing to do with each other, they did. He is a business owner. He is a was a billionaire at one point. I don't know if he still is. But when you have these partnerships that Redbird Capital and the celebrity of Dwayne Johnson and the mindset of Danny Garcia, there is just endless, endless possibilities that the XFL has to bring to the table to essentially basically back a spring football league that starts a week after the uh, NFL Super Bowl in 2023. And they can just keep building off of that. There's so much talent out there of football that we have not seen. The XFL 2020 season exposed that. And I feel that the XFL in 2023, along with potentially the USFL, could have a massive upbringing in football in this country to make it a year-round sport between three different leagues that that opens a floodgate for college athletes um, potentially athletes that don't want to go to college Um, I assume maybe the XFL will kind of look into that as well or the USFL they already have scouts out at these bowl games out at um, a lot of the things happening around the college uh, games or whatnot. They have a Columbine uh, combine coming up in June for the XFL, and we still haven't even got anywhere close to the USFL, uh, despite them being only four and a half months away from kickoff. We have no players. We've not heard anything at least about that. So there's going to be a lot to go into both leagues, but the XFL has one thing above the USFL, and that's a full year, and technically almost two years, um, two and a half years of planning since Danny Garcia and Dwayne Johnson and Redbird Capital bought the XFL out of bankruptcy uh, from the bankruptcy courts and from Vince McMahon or whatnot. So it's it's going to be an endless amount of football that we get and I am very excited for it and like I said I I I like kind of meditate around these if that's even the right word around these pickup leagues as I call them like the Pioneer League like the XFL these type of things is what kind of sticks it to the man per se of MLB and NFL and these organizations. Now they may work with them and feed some players in, which is great, but these multi-billion dollar industries like MLB and NFL, some of it just is out of hand and it's always great seeing some leagues willing to develop talent like the Pioneer League, like the XFL, potentially USFL, um, and give second chances to players that may have not got those chances in the NFL or in MLB or whatnot to really shine and to start a career or restart their career or whatever the case may be. So um, as I leave you on this note, um, again, I do 
100% think the XFL will last. It will become a big media um, partnership. I think that um, after this episode airs, I will be posting my predictions for the uh, XFL's uh, teams, what cities they'll go into, what teams are not going to be around. And then, of course, the overall perspective with the XFL of what TV partnerships that they will get. I will list those all on Instagram tonight, right after midnight when this episode airs. So look forward to that. And then we will be right back here next week on Friday with a brand new episode of the Grand Slam podcast, bringing up the topic of to vibe or not to vibe and my decisions on why I continue to become a season ticket holder for the vibes, go a little more depth in there. And then to just overall talk about what went wrong in 2021 with the Rocky Mountain Vibes and what almost made my decision of not renewing my season tickets along with others. So look forward to that. Again, Happy New Year's. It is 2022. We are one year and a month and a half away, technically 13 and a half months away from the XFL kickoff and just shy of about five and a half months away from the first pitch of the Pioneer League. So thank you again for joining me, letting me discuss spring football, the XFL, USFL, AAF, you name it. We've got them. We are ready for some extra football, ready for more baseball. Um, And again, thank you everyone for following me on social media. If you haven't done so already, please rate this podcast on wherever you listen to. Please give us five star. That'll help grow the Grand Slam podcast. And don't forget at the end of this month, um, the new s'more uh, show will debut uh, going a little more into my personal life and discuss real life topics that don't have to do with sports that may eventually turn into a little bit of a uh, vlog channel. So we'll see where we go from there. But again, thank you very much. I hope everyone is having a safe and healthy new year. And let's go XFL. Have a great one, everyone. Bye-bye.